I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect all the possibilities I expect positive energy I expect with no regrets I visualize it all, know what's coming, yeah I'm synergy, I reach every dream and love my enemies Everything here is a lesson, everything that comes to me counts as a blessing no. Good day, good day, welcome back Thank you so much for tuning in to Homeschool Your Kids Podcast I am Jay and today I have with me Nasia and she's going to introduce herself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Nastia Israel. I am a homeschool grad, class of 2020. Um, I'm also a current homeschool coach and mentor. Um, and I am the founder of Canary Academy Online, um, a nonprofit organization run primarily by youth and Gen Z students to be able to support homeschoolers from underrepresented and under-resourced communities. Um, so that's pretty much my introduction there from me. Oh, you already know where I want to start. Homeschool <laughs> grad. Didn't know it was 2020 homeschool grad. You are yeah. fresh out here. Okay. <laughs> so you know you have to walk us through that. How did you like it? It was amazing. Um, in fact, the reason I started my nonprofit was based off of my positive experiences with being a homeschool graduate. Um, I started the project while I was in high school. So um, I loved the flexibility of being able to learn at my own pace. Um, I was definitely a learner that was a little bit advanced for my age, and my mom saw that. Um, and so she, you know, started me off um, in a later grade. So I don't think I did preschool or kindergarten. I think she kind of blended it all into first grade. And I worked on that for a little bit. And then by the time I was in third grade, I was using like fifth grade vocabulary. Um, and by the time that I was in middle school, I was already working on things at a high school level. And then that just kind of progressed until for 12th grade, I had practically finished all of my high school credits and was just purely doing dual enrollment college. Um, so that was a really cool experience. I ended up graduating around the time I was 17 and, um, I'd already completed up to almost my sophomore year of college. So, um, really cool experience there. Oh, wow. I got to pursue my career at an early age. So I started teaching when I was 14, um, as a volunteer, and then I ended up becoming a tutor around 15 years old and have been in the education field ever since. So homeschooling definitely afforded me the opportunity to really get out there and do what I'd like to do for my career and what I feel is my calling and, and really pursue my interests. I'm a huge bookworm. So lots of my classes were centered around reading and going to museums and the types of things that I really enjoy doing some of our biggest longest days of homeschool would just be hanging out at the library you know because just books were surrounding me everywhere it was the best days uh of school that time so you know so I really enjoyed being homeschooled and I think a lot of that experience is what helped shape my character and the trajectory that I'm on now in social impact and and entrepreneurship oh yes 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 oh mm, mm. are you our only <laughs> child 
I actually have a younger brother. He's the inspiration for my nonprofit project. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it was just you two? Yes. Um, was this from, you? well, you say yes, your mom started you on first grade. So you never entered into public school? No. Do you feel like you missed anything? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you did? No, I'm just <laughs> No, no. My parents were public school educators and my mom oh. actually left teaching in public school to homeschool me full time. So, um, yeah. <laughs> So she kind of just took all of her experiences in public education and then the good things she used, the things she didn't like, she flipped on its head and completely did the opposite and created this really fun and engaging learning experience for me and my brother. Oh, that is so beautiful and so well put. So um, you say you finished almost with your associate. Are you in school now or are you done? I'm actually in my final week of college. I'm on my final class. Um, so I'm getting my bachelor's in interdisciplinary oh, studies. Yeah, thank you. Studying education and social sciences. So um, I'm really focusing on like education policy, history, philosophy, those types of things. And then, of course, the study and practice of teaching and learning. Um, and then I am pursuing grad school. I'm actually currently working on applications. So, oh, nice. And you're just going to continue with education? Yes. Yes. Focusing primarily on education policy and public administration. That's the field that I'm really excited to get into because then I can start advocating for a change on both a grassroots level and a policy level to make more homeschool friendly uh, legislation and policy for families. So, you're amazing. You, you, you really are. Were you about 21? Yes, I'm 21. <laughs> Just turned 21 oh a month ago. <laughs> oh, goodness, girl. Happy birthday. Oh, you are, are you a Libra? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. You said a month ago, so I thought you were in the Libra field. Okay. Beautiful. You're amazing. That is so awesome that like you really appreciate the time that was put into doing different. Like y'all, yes. you do understand like how different that that is, right? Yes. Yes. In fact, when I did my when I was doing my degree, I had to go into public schools and do like field experiences and stuff. Um, and some of <laughs> you my, saw what yeah, you did miss. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I saw how much change was needed. And that's what inspired me to really go like, I'm not just helping homeschoolers, like the policies that I'm working to create is going to help create change for all forms of education. Because if we could just make every form of education a little bit more like homeschooling, then everyone would win. So that's um, the kind individual of my goal. exactly aspect, personalized right? education, um, differentiated instruction, having one-on-one -on -one supports when needed, um, being able to have gamification in the classroom where you're integrating technology and digital learning resources. There's so much out there to be able to use, and a lot of times it's not really taught in the professional developments. It's not included in a lot of the resources the teachers are given. A lot of things are done at their own expense. So you don't really have that space to be able to innovate as much. And I think being able to develop policies that will help all forms of education, just be able to embrace innovation, embrace doing something different, embrace changing the status quo, 
then I think every student can succeed regardless of the educational model that yes. they use. I'm, I'm just, I love this. <laughs> I love this. Beautiful, beautiful. You are the younger generation. You are the future and you are doing so much already, already with the nonprofit established. Tell us more about Canary, Canary Academy. Yes. yes. So it started in 2017 as a high school project. I was um, in high school at the time. And my brother was just entering middle school. My mom had taken back on a full-time job um, and she wanted to help, you know, bring in income for the family because my dad was the only working at the time. And she's like, okay, y'all are old enough. I can actually start, you know, transitioning back into the workforce. And um, I, she still wanted to continue homeschooling us all the way through. So we kind of made an agreement as a family that we would all help each other out and you know, kind of bear each other's burdens and things like that. And as time went along, I started to see that my brother was like a totally different learner than me. So the curriculum <laughs> and the tools that my mom could use on me where I, she could just give me a book and I would read the whole thing in an hour and then tell her everything I just read in that book. My brother was totally the opposite where you give him a book and he will look at you like, are you serious? <laughs> Um, exactly. <laughs> you, you leave him and come back in an hour. He'd be on, he, he wouldn't even be doing it. He would be building and extracting from the book to be able to like get up and walk and run. And he'd be, that's his type of style is more kinesthetic. So I realized the curriculum we were using, we'd went through like six different versions for his first few years of middle school. And none of them had fit his personality, his learning type. And that was with homeschool curriculum. So I was, I was going to say, was your mom building her own or what were was, you all utilizing? Okay. We were mixing. So we okay. were taking the curriculum as a base and then we were matching it with what he should be learning for his grade. And then we were combining that with like the resources my mom had being an educator that she'd used with me. But oftentimes yeah. it just was and does engaging in movement and creativity as my brother enjoyed. So he would often find other things to do. So he would get his work done, but he would do it in a different way. And it didn't always use the book. So you'd be like, I thought we were supposed to be on chapter five. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I still learned the same information, but I kind of didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do the book. I used another resource. I went and found nice. my own or something like that. So I started to see mm -hmm. like he was really innovative in his learning style, but the curriculum we were using wasn't really helping him embrace that. So I decided to build my own. And I had no previous experience with building curriculum, but I talked it over with my mom. She was like, if you want to be in education, you got to learn at some point. So like, totally go for it. I give you full permission to like build whatever you want for him using the resources that we have, find new ones, and then we'll collaborate on building this interactive experience for my brother. So my mom and I sat down and we collaborated and it was like me building a curriculum for my brother with her, which was totally new. Um, and so I put together fun videos and I got into animation and I started taking the content that was built in books and I would extract it and put it into a quiz game or a building project. Like we went from studying atoms in a book to he's building an atom model out of food, like wow. cake pops and things like that. And we were doing that at the kitchen table and he loved it. So eventually he asked me to build more courses for him in the years going all the way up to eighth grade. And my mom was like, you got this. So I'm gonna start letting you have a little bit more free reign in this. And it started to be fun for me. 
then my friends started hearing about it and my friend's parents and they were like can you build a class for my student (laughs) and can you like build a course for like my child here and then can you give me some tips on how to like make learning games for my child here and I started realizing like this could be a viable business opportunity but I'd kind of put it on the side because my whole goal was high school college then career so mm-hmm. I kind of was like, you know, I'll put this on hold and then I'll finish it after I have my credentials, you know, so I can really be like that thorough mm-hmm. educator. And then one day I get an email from my honor society. Shout out to the National Society of High School Scholars. They're like one of the few honor societies that are completely homeschool friendly and okay. um, they love homeschoolers for membership. And I had just recently got accepted into the organization um, and they sent me this email saying, we're opening up a grant program for $10,000 for businesses in the social impact space that want to change the world. We're taking any idea, any type of program that you have. And I'm sitting there going, this would be great, but what business do I have? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> you know, the whole, time. <laughs> the whole time it was like sitting right in front of me. So um, eventually I'm like sitting on it and really thinking about it. And um, it's just brought back to my remembrance. Like you have a business idea. The homeschool curriculum thing that you're not even just an idea. Exactly. 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 (laughs) So um, I ended up applying. I made this really, really funny commercial. I like tried to do my own like little sales commercial and like take people through my curriculum and everything. I look back on it now and going, I have so much grown from there, but um I made like this little commercial it was my first business plan that I ever made I like looked it up on WikiHow. I had no idea how to do a business plan put one together started developing like mission vision all that and then um I went through the application and just wrote from my heart what was the inspiration what I wanted and my whole purpose was our family had access to resources because we knew about them and we went out and were able to know the places to look not every homeschooler has the informational resources available to them or the financial resources available to them to be able to do that. So though we had a budget and it was a very small budget for homeschooling and we knew like we can't go over this threshold, we knew that there were free resources out there we could use and we were leveraging technology and things like that. That is something that is lacking online because the market is so saturated. You can spend hours online looking for a curriculum, not knowing that there is a bunch of free resources out there that may be targeted towards public schools, but can be adapted to homeschooling or is made for homeschoolers. And that was my premise at that point was to bring together a resource hub that would create customizable curriculum for students um, based off of what my brother needed and kind of using that as the basis. Um, And I'd helped a few other students pass then. So I ended up being selected. I think it was like 200 applications and I was the top 40. Um, mm. And then you had to go compete in a three-level elimination rounds um, in live competition via Zoom. Oh, and wow. this was 2020. Um, <laughs> so I'm fresh out of high school. Um, it's the end of the year. I just turned 18 and I start pitching for the first time in my life like I'm on Shark Tank. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> So I'm in front of this panel of judges and it's very tense because, you know, like you've got serious money for your future writing on what you say 
what you don't say and your slides that you create. Um, so I ended up pitching through level one, breathe. Congratulations, you made it. Pitching through level yeah. two, breathe. Congratulations, you were selected for the next round. And then I had to pitch in front of not only a panel of like 10 judges, but also the general public via Zoom. Mm. Anyone could come on and watch it and comment and everything. Um, and I was like the top 20, I think, at that point. And so then I was selected in top 10 and received one of the grants announced live over Zoom that day. And it started nice. the trajectory of the company I have now. We've pivoted a little since then. So we're not just a curriculum company. We've transitioned into being the one-stop shop, we call it, for homeschooling. Mm -hmm. So we're a hub. We connect people with resources. We connect resources with people because oftentimes you'll have these organizations that are up and coming that want to connect with the homeschool population, but they don't know how because it's not their background, but they know they have a resource that can make homeschooling more sustainable, more affordable. So we connect them with our homeschooling community that's growing and we connect our homeschool community with resources. We also recently started an equity program where we provide free laptops, tablets, um, Wi-Fi hotspots, printers, books, and other school supplies in cute backpacks distributed to families across the U.S. in time for the homeschooling start of the year. So um, that's called our Equity in Home Education program. It's an annual program we've been running for about two to three years now. And that program has really become the flagship of our entire organization. And it really guides all the other programming that we do because it is inspired by the fact that not every family has the same amount of resources to be able to homeschool. And if we can put everyone on the level playing field by meeting them where they are, by giving them a laptop, they may not have one, giving them internet when they may be slow, then that opens up a wider amount of resources because we can't advocate for people to use digital curriculum and find all these cool things online to use when they don't even have the basic technology and hardware to be able to access it. So we started to see that we're addressing root cause instead of just the symptom. Um, and so mm. we started to really get into addressing the root causes of the barriers that homeschoolers face. And that's where we are now. So to date, we are on track to serve a thousand families. Um, we've grown from just 12 that we did when I pitched to uh, nearly a thousand families. We've been a three-time Vela grant recipient, um, and recently received another prize, um, in the policy field for the work that we're doing called Representation Matters, um, where we are doing mm -hmm. a documentary on the lives of homeschoolers from African-American communities, where we are focusing on the stories of underrepresented homeschool populations, especially in urban areas, and literally traveling around interviewing people. We're starting in my home city in the central Virginia area around Richmond, and we're expanding to places like Detroit and Texas um, in the upcoming year. And we're really starting to move into the advocacy sphere of homeschooling in addition to the educational sphere. So that's Pretty much a summary of my organization. We have um, over like 30 volunteers um, on a basis. We have a fellowship program for young educators so they can actually come on and teach our kids because we are we do host live classes. So we now train future educators to come on and learn from the un uh, unconventional learning space. Um, and we're hosting our first conference in January. So big progress. 
We're nice. going on three years of operation officially as a five. Oh, amazing. <laughs> You're a little inspiration out here, girl. Like, <laughs> my whole life, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, taking notes. Okay. Like, you're thin. You are. Oh, my gosh. Such a breath of fresh air. So, like, I love having a conversation with the younger generation and seeing, like, okay, like, you know, the media glorizes, like, all that's wrong mm -hmm. all the time. Like, that's that's their hyper-focus of what's wrong with the world and society and how everything is just, oh, on the downtrodden, like, everything's going down. And then you have refreshing conversations like this that lets you know, like, nah, <laughs> nah, don't get distracted <laughs> by that noise. Like, nah, there's some some beautiful, great, exactly. monumental, revolutionary things that are taking place and our, our youth are definitely um, leading the way. And I love it. I love Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. It's beautiful. And you know, I'm passing that on. So yeah. now I've got mentees that I train um, in the social impact space and really passing down that knowledge of here's what I did just a couple years ago. You know, you can yeah. do it too. And here are the strategies to help you grow. And I really enjoy doing that. Um, especially being an educator where you get joy in seeing students succeed and excel. And now you're able to see other homeschoolers like yourself that you're building community with, that you're training to be educators, that you're showing how to build their own businesses. And um, it was it was really beautiful. And you start to see the impact. You know, I recently had a gala for appreciation of all of our staff members and volunteers and I was honoring them with trophies and awards. Little did I know they had something planned for me. Aww. So before I left the stage to end off the award ceremony, they say, oh, no, no, come back up. And everyone in the team starts giving me awards and prizes. And they each do like a one minute speech about how I've impacted their lives. Aww. And it like brought me to tears. Like it was so sure. powerful because sometimes you just do things because it's just who you are to give and to serve and you really enjoy it. It's not something that you find as a chore or like, oh, I got to go help somebody. You know, it's something you really enjoy doing. And now you start to see like it's really creating the impact. Like you start to see the individual lives that have been deeply touched and moved by what you're doing. And I think that's like the biggest part that I absolutely love about being in this space and being a social entrepreneur, being an education entrepreneur is just the impact you create on the regular basis that you may not see first off, but is there, you know, and continuing to change other lives as the impact expands. Yes. And you, you do understand how powerful your voice is at a young age because you are more relatable as far as the youth goes, you know, hearing something coming from a 40 year old's mouth or a 50 year old's mouth is way less <laughs> impactful than hearing <laughs> and seeing this thriving 21 year old telling you of her success and how she's gotten to where she's gotten so quickly. Like, you know, and that's, that's very powerful. You're very powerful, um, a very powerful being. And I'm very, very grateful and appreciative for all that you're doing because you're doing a lot. <laughs> don't ever, don't, don't ever talk small on yourself. You're <laughs> doing big, big things. Um, 
And I love it for you. I love it for all that are coming across your path. I really love it. Um, so your brother is still homeschooling. He just graduated this year. Oh, he just finished? Okay. Yes, he to, graduated it, a year early. To... Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Okay, so what is he into? He is taking a gap year right now, but he's into filmmaking and animation and design. So he actually volunteers at my nonprofit as the co-director of community engagement and creativity. So he's really involved in the organization still. Um, wow. He and his friends. Yeah, they do most of the design work. Our logo is him. You know, <laughs> everything that we have has pretty much been designed by his hands. Um, and he really enjoys oh, having that like hands-on experience. So yeah, he's really into design, creativity, animation, filmmaking, and um, he wants to start his own film company. So I'm pretty excited for that. That's what he's doing now. So I'm kind of like his business advisor, you know, as he's going about the process and um, growing from there. Awesome. Were you all in a co-op when y'all were homeschooling? Like, were y'all in, like, how was, you know, that socialization that everyone mm -hmm. talks about? let's let's um what did you all do yeah we were part of a pretty uh close-knit religious community still are so most of the kids that we knew were homeschooled as well and so we would go out on field trips together we would meet up you know we would go out um even if it was just like shopping together to kind of get that experience with how to use money how to talk to a cashier how to interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis those um, different social aspects that you kind of take for granted or were things that were instilled, you know, at a very young age. Um, so primarily, we hung out with all of our friends in the community. Um, we went on different field trips to historical sites. It's one of my favorites, museums. Um, we had a photo club. Um, so for the years of high school, we went out and did photography together. Um, we learned how to really use like the focal points and all those different things that you really enjoy about photography. Um, and so that's pretty much what we did. And then of course we had homeschool conventions that we went to, we got to meet all sorts of other homeschoolers from surrounding communities. Um, and then our mom and dad would take us places, even to their places of work. Like when my mom was working full time, we would go there. We would get to meet her colleagues. It's a really homeschool friendly space. So we could go in there and stay in there with her all day and watch her work, do our homework, you know, interact with the other kids that were there during the day as their parents worked and things like that. So there's a lot of different experiences to be able to get like that social interaction aspect. Um and really get out there. And then of course, as my brother and I started to get more entrepreneurial, we would go do workshops and I do speaking engagements and really, you know, interacting with a broader audience um, as well. So lots of different experiences to grow. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything that you feel you miss out on? No, not at all. I think my mom knew that I needed time to be able to grow into every aspect of myself. So she gave me that space and she never wanted to push me too hard to go out too soon. Um, so she just let me have that space to really find like who I was and what I was supposed to be doing, what my career path was and how I'm supposed to play a role in the larger society. So a lot of the things that we did, she's mm. like, are you ready to go up to the cashier and, you know, pay for things on your own and, you know, tell people what you need? Are you ready to order your own food? You know, when I was younger, she would always, you know, reassure me and show me how to do things and I think that was a big part of helping me now is knowing like your limitations and how you're gonna 
reach past those in due time as well. Nice. And so with your instruction, how involved were you with, because I mean, you were building curriculum at what, 15, 16 years old. So as far as your your curriculum goes, your instruction goes, were you also building your own or yes. was it still under your mom's guidance? Yes. After I reached middle school, my mom let me kind of take the reins. So she would tell me, okay, what time do you want to get up? What time are you can get all your work done by? And I would just have to report to her at the end of every day what I got accomplished, you know, what my goals were. And that really helped me at an early age understand time management, understand goal setting, understand, you know, taking responsibility for your own actions and what you were able to get accomplished in a day and um, planning. So, yeah, from middle school on, I was really taking the reins of choosing what books I read, what curriculum I used, what courses I took online. The choice to dual enroll was totally mine. My parents were like, if you want to take dual enrollment, that's up to you. You don't have to. We're not forcing you to do anything. And I was like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, get some experience in the education field from college in high school. And that's what I did. So everything that I did middle school on was pretty much self-driven. And my parents were there to support me and let me know, oh, I don't think you need to be taking, you know, this class. That might be a little too much. Or you might want to consider adding this on. And we would collaborate in that process, which I really enjoyed. Gotcha, gotcha. Was there, was there ever a time where, I don't know. I think I lost that question. <laughs> I think I lost that question. But because there's a lot going on in my background. I don't know if y'all hear it or not. There <laughs> Um, kids are definitely up and, and out and about and moving and everything else. But um goodness, goodness. So the transcript process, um, with building your transcript for college. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Yes. Um, so for that, it was again a collaborative process. My mom and I sat down together and said, What do we need to graduate? What are the credits that you want to gain by the end of the high school experience? And what classes do you want to take? What interests you? And the fun thing was that the electives were things that I did anyway and that I love to do that Mm. I just got to do more in depth. So, for example, my cooking elective wasn't just me sitting in front of a computer screen, you know, taking a culinary arts class. It was me actually making foods. During school hours, I would watch cooking shows during that elective time period And I would replicate the dish or I would be researching recipes and getting books from the library on multicultural cooking from around the world. And I would recreate it. It got to the point where I made a dish from almost every continent on the the planet Um, and multiple dishes from each place, multiple countries, and I would mark it off. And um, my parents would sit down and they would grade me based off of how good the food was. And that would be my letter grade. So my letter grade was based on whether I replicated the taste because they're like really into multicultural foods. So they will tell you in a minute, no, this does not taste like (laughs) the Jamaican food that I got two weeks ago from this restaurant. So (laughs) they will tell you. So I had to get it as close as I could to the original. And that was the term of my grade. Most of the time I got an A because I love to cook and I love replicating dishes, creating my own dishes. So it was fun. So that was the type of stuff that I did. You know, my educational elective was actually going into a daycare cooperative and 
teaching other kids as a teacher's assistant, you know, really going in there and planning lessons. I was going to say, how early did you know that education was what you wanted to get into? Because you say you were tutoring at 14. Yes. So how early on? It was 14. 14. It was 14. Yeah. I had been teaching to my stuffed animals since I was like seven. And then I was like, you know what? My dad's a historian. I want to be a historian. So oh, I don't want to deal with I don't want to deal with kids. That's what, that's what I said when I was younger. I was like, I want to deal with kids. I'm just going to work with the college students. So I'm going to mm. work towards being a historian. I'm going to be a professor. And then I started really, you know, considering the career trajectory. And since I'm, you know, I'm religious, I prayed about it a lot as well. And a lot of the things that I did, you know, I really reflected and I realized my calling was in education. And when I realized that calling, it just spoke so deeply to my heart. You know, it was unlike anything else that I just said I wanted to do before. And I'd made this whole list and plan of I'm going to do this, then I'm going to be doing this, then I'm going to get this degree. And all that just went out the window. And I was like, I am going to be an educator. And I really loved Mm. it. I got in that classroom when I was 14, started tutoring students who struggled with certain topics. They were in like K2 and I loved it. Seeing their faces light up when I walked in the room, you know, it's Miss Nastia. You know, I was really excited about that and seeing how you can impact their lives, right? And I started to see the lesson planning was fun. I got involved in decorating the classroom, like the fun stuff. And the kids loved it. I loved it. And that was the first experience I had in education. And then from there, I went to building my brother's curriculum and tutoring others in my spare time and then built the education program that I'm currently still working at now. So um, it was quite a journey. But yeah, it was around 14 when I really started to see like my calling is in the field of education. And I was going to say, you realize you've been an educator since 14, right? So you've been an yes. educator for like the last seven years yes. already. You're seven years in the game right now. Yeah, that's, that's what wild. I like to tell people. I tell people yes. that and their mouth drops because... As it should. <laughs> because I'll tell people that I was at a um, academy like training for education policy last month. And everybody there was like older than me. And of course. I'm <laughs> going and I'm like... Oh, yeah, I know this because I used to tutor for this and this charter school through this program. And I a couple years ago, I went back and, you know, did this at this school. And they're like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody was like, perplexed. I'm like 16 years old. <laughs> so what did you do that when you were seven? <laughs> So it's funny, you know, seeing the reactions um, when I tell people that, because I do say that I'm like, they're like, how many years of experience do you have? I feel like I have six to seven years of experience. And they're like, how? (laughs) Because you didn't wait. You didn't wait. I saw a (laughs) post recently that said, ask your kid what they want to do when they grow up and have them do it now. Mm -hmm. And y'all did that you did yes. that y'all are doing that and that's beautiful I because I you know one of my big things is there's no limits with um any child's potential I feel exactly. like uh especially little I feel like everyone is little geniuses until <laughs> they're told that they're not or or um programmed to not be but I feel like 
you know, we don't give our, our young people enough credit as to exactly. all that they are able to do and what they do have inside of them. Like you, you realize issues early on and like, Hey, no, I want to do this. Like, even with you observing your brother and saying, you know what? He learns different than me and that's fine. Let me build something and let me, let me create something that's going to fulfill him and his learning journey. That's going to make him happy and, and like, and, um, you know, feel, feel good about learning as opposed to how you were able to do it with just the books and sitting down and reading and writing he needed more hands. Like, it's just you acknowledging that at 14, 13, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And that's beautiful. And I, I love your mom. Like, I, I kind of want her, like, I want to have her on too. So I can talk about her and just, yeah, no, you definitely gonna have to connect me with your mom. Cause yes, I will. She, she's got to talk and, and tell her, her version of all of this lovely get down <laughs> and how she was able to release control and let you and follow your lead, especially being previous a, a, a previous teacher herself or in the you know in the classroom. And you say your dad's a historian, so he's yes. more on a high school or college level. Yes, yeah, and he's he still educating. He is not an administrator, but he's actually uh, doing his own nonprofit as well now in history. So you inspired him. <laughs> You inspire he does that. <laughs> nice. What do you think about micro schools? Because I could see you uh, establishing a few of those. Yeah, it's actually one of my goals in the future is to make some in-person learning academies that use the Canary Academy curriculum and learning methodology and create in-person hubs for students. So I'd like to be able to do that. Creating an entire education network is my goal. Just being able mm-hmm. to have a system of learning that transcends one style, one method, one uh, strategy, and really embraces students' individuality and who they are and, and what they can do to reach their fullest potential. So, Yes, yes. Because I, I feel like that's that's what it's all about, right? The individualization um, of it all. Exactly. We didn't try to fit everybody into this one standard or one exactly. program of of learning, then everyone would be a lot, a lot, lot more fulfilled um, in their purpose and exactly. what they were sent here to do and create and be um, freely without telling someone telling them, no, don't focus on that. Focus on this. Like, exactly. No, the three R's. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're reading, writing, and arithmetic. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was something that was never, you know, pushed over anything else it was pushed at the same level. You know, mm. and that's something that I enjoyed about the way my parents did homeschool is they didn't say, you better learn this math, this English and this writing and that's it. And I don't want to hear nothing else until you get this done. They were more like, this all connects, you know, mm-hmm. and it, whatever you want to do in life, you got to know these things. Mm-hmm. And um, that was instilled in me because I remember I was such a smart aleck when I was younger. I would ask my mom, why do I have to learn this? You know, she would be teaching me English as it was called. And it wasn't ELA back then, it was English. And I was like, why do I need to learn English if I already know how to talk? <laughs> that was my type of questioning back in the day. Oh, I can imagine. See how it connected, you know, as she really sat down and explained to me, like, 
writing and English, these are things you need in order to go into life. And it's not something you ever stop learning. You don't just reach a point where I've finished learning English. I'm done. I'm over. <laughs> it's a continuous learning journey and you got to keep improving it or you'll lose it. You don't use it. You lose it. So that was something that was instilled in me from a very young age is you never stop learning and you can't question why do I have to continue learning this? Because every time you learn something new, you're bettering yourself and you're making it easier for you to be able to grow and excel in the things you want to do. So, yes, I was going to say, do you ever really fully learn anything, any subject? Like, is there any ever a cap on anything (laughs) that you learn? No. It's always, and it's wild that people do get to 18 and just cut it all off. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm done. I graduated. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just going to go out here and <laughs> conquer the world now with whatever I gained in those 12 years of public education. So it's really important. And that's something else that we we definitely advocate for. Life learners, um, mm-hmm. creating life learners. Um, having kids fall into the idea of, falling in love with the idea of learning and, and gathering more information um, within themselves. But it also has to be something that they want to learn about, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm excited for what's to come in the future. I recently started a new venture, two actually, but one um, <laughs> is going to focus on mentoring for entrepreneurs. So now I'm moving into the space of I've had enough experience with building out an education model and getting grants that I can actually start teaching those strategies to others. So now I'm moving into a coach uh, position where I'm starting to, you know, mentor people and start that business to be able to show people how to build education nonprofits Um, And then I'm starting another venture that's going to focus on supporting the growth once they become entrepreneurs and creating programs that are going to help increase knowledge because I always continue that whole thing about being lifelong learners. So um, two new ventures in the works. I'm currently in uh, working in education research and policy. I'm getting into that field currently. And as I said, we've got a big project we're working on for Canary Academy that's research-wise that's going to be including a documentary. And um, we're planning on sending that to film screenings and doing like talks on it and things like that um, to really be able to share and elevate stories of homeschoolers from underrepresented communities. Because I know that that's an important part is I would have loved to grow up seeing other homeschoolers who looked like me on the media, on TV, in storybooks. That would have been great. So now we're attempting to do that, right? Where we're creating those mediums for families to share their stories. Because one thing I always say, even in working in the field of advocacy and policy, if you don't know the people who you're trying to help and you don't know their stories, you won't be able to connect with why it's a problem and why you need to solve it. So building that connection between policymakers, between legislators, between advocates, and even larger organizations with the individual stories and narratives of families is very important. So that's what we're currently working on for our organization is moving into that advocacy and elevating voices. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited. That's exciting. You should definitely be very, very exciting. (laughs) 
I love it. I'm going to be reflecting on this all day. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. You are just a light, a whole light. Um, and I really, really appreciate you. What's three things that you would tell homeschool families? Like, well, give me three things that you would want um, families who are entering into homeschooling to know. Yes. Um, number one, never feel bad because your homeschool routine doesn't look like public school. Because mm. I think that's one thing that, especially as I'm mentoring parents, they'll be like, well, my, my, my son isn't in school for eight hours a day. I don't know if he's getting enough education or he's not sitting down doing his homework long enough or we haven't gotten in all the subjects today. So I feel kind of bad. Like we didn't make progress. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't think of it that way. Like homeschooling is flexible. It's meant to be the alternative, not a substitute, right? It's, it's an ideal that children learn at their own pace in their own way. They're all unique. You can't fit them into one box. So instead of trying to make your homeschooling look like public school, make your homeschooling a reflection of you. Because that's the most important thing that you can do in the well-being of your students and of the academic success of your child is making it reflect who you are. What are your ideals? What are your values? What are the things you value most and that your child values most about education? And how can you embed that into your everyday routine? You may just focus on science one day because you see that your student is struggling in the sciences. But then the next day, you do all five subjects. The next day, you just do English. That's totally up to you. So never pressure yourself to try and match the the patterns of learning that are in public schools because you don't have to. And you can have the same outcome and results doing four hours of school as you can in eight hours of school. And I've witnessed that. You know, my average school day was three to four hours, if that. I was going to ask that, <laughs> yes. Okay. So second piece of advice, um, don't pressure yourself to meet other people's expectations. The only expectations you should be meeting is yours. And setting those at the beginning of the year is crucial for the outcome of the rest of the year. Every time that my mom and I would sit down and collaborate on what I was going to learn, we would develop goals. What do we want to accomplish this year? Why do we want to accomplish it? And how are we going to get it done? What commitments on both of our ends are we going to put in to make sure that this gets done? So I think that's a crucial component of homeschooling is the collaborative process, the process of building community, of building those milestones, those stepping stones to say, what do I want the future to be? And how can I get there? How can I achieve it? So never put too much pressure on yourself to try and just prove to other people that you're being successful because the true determining of your success is you and the academic outcomes of your students. Mm -hmm. um, the third piece of advice is, breathe <laughs> yes. because if you do not take breaks you do not take time to reflect and evaluate your success journal sometimes you know read motivational quotes really center yourself on why am I doing what I'm doing because the purpose of homeschooling is for you and for your students so all the outside noise that is telling you to rush and you're behind and you don't have enough rigor and you don't look like a classroom and you don't have enough posters on the wall. Like <laughs> those things don't matter. What matters is how you feel at the end of the day and your child excelling and telling you, mom, I love the word learning. 
because oftentimes you'll hear students you say it's time to learn they'll cringe Ooh, right. learning right yeah. no <laughs> they should not cringe when they hear the word learning learning is fun learning is lifelong learning is something that you will always be able to continuously pursue it doesn't end it's not a dead-end road it just continues to infinity yeah. right so breathe Take some time to breathe, center yourself and focus because the most important part of homeschooling is the outcomes that you create. Yeah. So those are my top three. <laughs> I love beautiful, beautiful top three. And this is from a, a homeschool grad from the rooter to the tutor. She was there um, <laughs> priest from out the womb on up. Like her mom had her there and, and look at, look at it, look at the end result. And I, I love it. I, I do beautiful it really is but we were in the library yesterday and um there was a group of kids that were I guess doing like after school and I was just like looking at them because you were just talking about the breathing aspect and just the wanting learning to be an enjoyment and I'm just looking at all those kids over there they were not having fun and I'm just like yo they just got out of school and they sat at that that table the whole time we were there for over two hours and I was just like oh my gosh like that's a lot because the lady who was who was tutoring or mentor I don't know what she was doing but she was fussing I could tell you that and I was just like this they're not having fun like that's all I kept on thinking to myself like yo they cannot be having fun over there and like if you saw them you clearly saw on their faces indicated that they were definitely not having fun but that that creating life learners is really important um it really is and stepping outside the box and showing kids that there's many many ways to learn and to take in information as opposed to just sitting at a table and reading a book um it's really important um so I'm so so grateful for you so grateful for all that you're doing you are a big deal ma'am a big big deal and I appreciate you thank you so much we have crossed um this this lovely young soul will be a speaker at the Philadelphia Homeschool Expo and she will be a speaker at the Virginia Homeschool Expo and I'm, I'm very grateful and appreciative and excited to have you. Um, I kind of want to do a panel of homeschool grads um, because parent, you're who parents want to talk to. You really are. <laughs> my parents want to know. Because, like, you know, they think, I don't want to mess with my kid. That's what I get mm-hmm. all the time. I hear that a lot. <laughs> I don't want to mess with my kid. I'm like, you're not. I promise you're not. They're not. Um, no, no worse than what the system's gonna mess them up. So please bet on yourself. I promise you going your yours is gonna pan out a lot better. Um, so I'm I'm so grateful that you're using your voice um in the manner that you are. Thank you, thank you. Where can we find Canary Academy? Yes, so we have a website, www.canaryacademyonline.org. Um, and that's where you'll be able to find a lot of our resources, content, and even sign up for our online community where we have live courses and tutoring and community connections and events happening all year round from coding to slime making to all sorts of other cool virtual activities for kids and parents. Um, so you'll be able to find all that there. And you can even contact me from the website as well to set up coaching calls and just get some advice um, or to hear from me as well from there. So, 
Yeah, social medias. We are not on any social medias as of now. What? Yeah, all of our growth has been completely grassroots and natural. (laughs) I love that. Well, everyone's fear mongering me on social media. Like, oh, <laughs> you got a business, don't you? You got to do it. You got to do mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, do I really? No. Now, see, you said I don't. Okay. <laughs> you said I, I don't. Know. <laughs> that's what my star reference yeah no Nasia said I don't and she's doing a lot okay so <laughs> I don't know I may need to listen to her but yes no I appreciate you really really do um I can't say it enough because I really like these type of conversations mean a lot to me a whole whole lot um you're awesome you're awesome and you, this is just the beginning for you <laughs> like truth be told like you're not near a prime or anything you're at at the beginning and you're seven years in and you're beautiful you're really beautiful true inspiration and I I appreciate you thank you so so much but yeah so homeschooling families you've heard it from a homeschool grad like breathe take it easy don't try to implicate or um, imitate public school that's not what we're here for trust trust the process trust your family uh talk to each other keep loving on each other keep growing from there but ultimately keep growing lifelong learners that love the idea of learning more that's that's our goal and our objective because there are no limits to any of this and Nasia definitely showed us that and I appreciate her for that um in the meantime, in between time, make sure y'all continue to homeschool your kids. Thank you.